you ready? Get your note, notepads out, pens, make sure they're working, <laughs> all the things. You're like, what's, what's a pen? I use my note app. Um, Jim Kelly is, uh, the, well, I, I got to know Jim Kelly because he was over church planting uh, in all of North Carolina. So there were no church. Oh, by the way, you may not know this, but people ask us, like, what denomination are you? Like, we're just Jesus fools. That's what we are. But um, officially, we are Assemblies of God. Love that denomination. I love the tribe that we're in. And so you, you, you work with church planners in the state of North Carolina. He's all over the country doing stuff, but he's specifically in our state and also now over, kind of overseeing men's and women's ministries and church health, which I love that because churches can grow and not be healthy. Have you noticed this? Um, so we're so honored to have you with us today. We, we would not be a church without Jesus and Jim, right? I mean, he helped us navigate all that, the steps, what to do next. He looked at me and said, man, I, well, y'all, you were kind. You were like, you can do it, Paul. But I think in his prayer closet, he was like, oh, God, please, if you don't move, which we felt the same way. You know, but I want you guys to stand up on your feet and give a huge gathering welcome to Jim Kelly. Good morning, everybody. How many glad you came to church today? It's a beautiful day. And, um, you know, the more I thought about what I was going to share with you today, I felt like half my message was already covered by what was already shared during worship and the words. And let's just give Jesus a hand, huh? Let's just praise the Lord today. It is a great day to be alive. And, you know, part of leaving chains behind is embracing the new. How many of you know... God really does have something new for you. You say, well, I'm 62 years old. I, God can't do anything new. Am I? Yes, he can. Moses was 80 years old, and God said, I got a new assignment for you. Caleb was 80 years old, and he said, God promised me that property. God promised me that mountain. I ain't dying till I get it. And he got it. If you read the scriptures, you'll see that. So how many of you are ready to embrace some change today? Not change, change up. Change. Because that is what God is about to share with us today. Can we pray? Lord, thank you for your people. Thank you for the movement of the Holy Spirit. Thank you for the freedom in this place. And Lord, thank you for each family all the different personalities and gift mixes that are here. Speak to us once again today in Jesus' name. If you agree with that, will you say hallelujah, amen, or something? Uh, before we get in and dig into the word, I, I just want to talk about you for a second. How many of you know, how, how do you deal with change personally? Do you understand your personal wiring some of you are like, Ugh. do you really understand? How many of you are married? Raise your hand. Let me see. You're married. Okay. Have you noticed that you're probably a whole lot different than your spouse? 
I mean, my wife and I are bedposts, man. We, you couldn't be more different. And how many young people are in the house? If you're under 25, raise your hand. Okay, have you noticed that you are a mix of either, your, your, of course, your mom and your dad, or you're so much like your dad? How many of you are like your dad? Let me see your hands. Okay, put them down. How many of you are like your mom? How many of you, you would say, I'm a mix of both? How many of you have no clue? Raise your hand. There you go. You're in the right place. See, how we are personally wired affects how we receive information, how we give information. It's interesting that when you're saved, the Bible says you're literally transformed by the Holy Spirit. In fact, 2 Corinthians chapter, chapter 5, verse 17 says, If any man be in Christ, you are, they are, she is a new person. The old is gone, and the new has come, right? And yet, in the midst of that dramatic and powerful internal change, guess what? God doesn't change your personality. And I'll prove it to you in the scriptures. You see, if you're a driven person, after you come to know Christ, you're still a driven person. If you're, how many of you are outgoing people, extroverts? You know it. Okay, a few of you. When you got saved, guess what? God didn't change your personality. You still love people, right? You're still outgoing. How many of you would say you're organized people? You like to be, oh, a lot of you. And you're saved? When you got saved, God didn't change you. You still love to be organized. You like to have directions. You like to know where you're going, right? And then all the peacemakers. How many peacemakers in the house today? You just like things to be peaceful. When you got saved, guess what? That didn't change. You still like things to be peaceful. You're peacemakers. You see, when you get saved, God changes your heart. He doesn't change your personality. He's made you just the way you are. Now, there are four basic temperaments we're all kind of a blend of. And have, has anyone ever done the DISC person? personality profile, the D-I-S-C. Raise your hand. Okay, maybe 20 of you, 21 of you. I saw your hand, man. Well, there are four basic temperaments, and we're going to get into this uh, biblically and see which biblical characters had what personality trait. Now, the first one, the D on the disc profile, and you could see, uh, can you see it up on the screen? There you go. The D are the driven people. Any, anybody drivers in the house? You like to take control. You like to be in charge. Do you realize only 3% of, 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 uh, out of 100 are driven people? I mean, that's just a handful, right? And then after the driven people, you've got these inspirational influencer people who love to talk. They love to have fun, right? Now, go back to the D for a second. If you think of a biblical character, how about someone like Paul? Paul is so consumed 
in arresting these Jewish people who are followers of Jesus. He wants to see them imprisoned. He doesn't care if they die. He's He's putting chains, talk about change. He's putting chains around and dragging them to Jerusalem. And then what happens? Jesus gets a hold of them, knocks them over and said, it's over, Paul. Now it's time to follow me. Who are you? I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. And guess what? When, when Paul gets radically saved, gets prayed for, scales come off his eyes, guess what? He's the same driven person after he saved than he was before. And now he says, I am willing to die for the kingdom of Christ. God changed his heart, didn't change his personality. So when you go to the eye, go to the influencer, which a few people have said, I'm kind of like that. That personality is kind of like, let's say someone like King David. Remember, David, speaking of dancing and breaking chains, he was in the front of the row. In fact, so much that his, his wife was looking from the upstairs window and saw David dancing. She goes, boy, he's just being a fool. And he walks in and says, yes, I was. And I'll be even more of a fool because of my love for God. That was David. Remember, he was at, in the enemy's camp. He was concerned they were going to try to kill him. So what does he do? He starts drooling and acting like a madman. And they're like, get this nut out of here. Saved his life. So that's David. 11%. How many of you would say you, you think you're an influencer? You're one of those. You love to talk. You love to party. You love to be. Ah, yeah, a few of you. Okay. How about the next one? That's the S personality. They're the steady stable, security-minded kind of people. Anybody in the house like that? Well, guess what? Most of you are that way because 67% of people are S personalities. You don't move the keys from an S personality. You don't rearrange the furniture without getting permission, right? Because they're slow, steady. And Pastor, I have found, Wendy, I have found the best small group leaders are S personality people. Because the D's try to take over the group. The I's talk too much. The C's are trying to scratch their head and they're trying to figure out what to do and how to do it. S's are like, cool, man. It's just cool. It's chill. And they're great small group leaders. Now, Abraham was known as a man who was an S personality. And here's how we know. Because he was a man of great faith. He trusted God. And because he trusted God, God said, I see you, Abraham, as a righteous man. So he's called the father of faith. How many faith-filled believers are in the house today? Yeah, you're like Abraham. But when he gets in trouble and goes, he goes across the, uh, the border, he tells his wife, oh, honey, um, tell them you're not my wife. Tell them you're my sister so they don't kill me. And so what happens was when Sarah is taken to the bedroom of the king, the Holy Spirit or God speaks and says, don't you dare touch her. That's the prophet's wife. And he comes back to Abraham. Why didn't you tell me? He goes, oh, I thought you'd kill me. <laughs> the funny thing is, years later, Abraham's son, Isaac, 
is married to Rebecca, goes to the same king. He says the same thing to his wife and says, tell them you're my sister. The same guy takes his wife in, leads her to the bedroom chamber, and God says, don't you dare touch that woman. That's a prophet's wife. So the king comes back. Isaac, why didn't you tell me? I thought you were going to kill me. <laughs> so you see there's that S personality. Please, I don't want to get in trouble. Let's keep things peaceful. Again, how many of you are that S? Okay, a lot of you. And then finally, finally, the C personality, which is cautious, calculating, controlling kind of people. They're good people. You don't throw a surprise party for these people. They'll be like, no one told me. I'm not dressed properly. They think through everything, right? But I'll tell you what, if they're doing the books at the church, thank God for their gift. Thank God for their gift. My wife is a high C, and I can't fool her. I can't lie to her. I can't. She knows it all. It's like a, a spiritual gift. She can sense it, right? Now, a Bible character of that C personality, Moses. Bible says in Exodus 40, verse 16, Moses did, listen to this, everything just as the Lord commanded. Exactly. God gives him the Ten Commandments. He gives him the, uh, the, the uh, construct for the, the tabernacle, how to do it, and he does it to the T because he's hardwired to follow instruction. Moses leads the people for 40 years through the desert and does a pretty, pretty good job. So you say, well, why am I sharing all this stuff with you? Well, driven, dominant personalities, 3% of people, I want you to notice this, they love change. They love to implement change. They love to be in charge when change comes. They embrace it. They love it. Then if you go to the I personality, the outgoing, oh, they love change. They love it. It's exciting and new. A new restaurant, a new outfit, a new friend. They won't remember their name in an hour, but it's a new friend. But here's what I want you to see. S's and C's, slows and steadies, and cautious and calculating people do not like change. They resist change naturally. You have to warm them up to change. You don't snap your finger and make change. So let's do the math. So if you add the D's and I's together, 3 and 11, that's what percent? 14. And then if you add the 67 and the 19, what does that come out to be? 86, right? So what we're saying is 86% of people resist change. And yet, here's what I want you to see. Jesus said, Matthew 18, Jesus said, unless you change and become like children, you will not see the kingdom of God. Turn to your neighbor and say, man, I guess I got to change. <laughs> you see, 
the, the cha- think about children. Children, uh, in a general way, are, are spontaneous and carefree. They don't have a care in the world. They go with the flow. Their bodies are constantly changing, evolving. They're learning new things. They have a, uh, they have a new uh, teacher every year. New classmates. They're in constant flux in their lives. You see, change is not only a part of our daily life. It's actually a kingdom priority. When I, when I was 16 years old, my family moved from New Jersey to Orlando back in the 70s. I used to walk and talk and play football, and I don't talk like that no more. I got saved and moved to Orlando. So, And we fought my parents tooth and nail. I was... I had just finished up my sophomore year in high school, going into my junior year, and we moved. How many of you know that's pretty radical stuff for a kid? And um, um, uh, there's three boys and four girls in our formerly Catholic family. So we had a big crew, and Dad's like, hey, I got arthritis. I got to go to hot weather. We're moving to Orlando. We're like, no, no. We're not, we don't want to go. So he dragged us and we went. But looking back on that move, on that change, that was the very thing that brought our family to Christ. Because someone had invited my dad to an Assembly of God, Calvary Assembly Church. And he started going, you know, it was Catholic Church on Sunday morning. He'd go to Calvary Assembly on Sunday nights, and he starts hearing this talk about the Holy Spirit and how God wants to save you and fill you, and and he starts coming home. Talk. I'm like, get away, get away. Then a neighbor invites me to the same church. He said, oh, Jim, you got to come, you got to come. I'm like, no, no, I'm Catholic. You don't invite Catholics to the Assembly of God Church. You just don't. Well, he asked me seven, eight on the ninth time. I said, I'll go to church with you if you go to church, go to mass with me. It's like, cool. So we go to the big Catholic church and afterwards we're talking. I said, well, how'd you like the mass? He goes, hmm, very interesting. He'd never seen anything like that in his life. He goes, next week we'll go to Calvary Assembly. I'm like, okay. Well, it took about a month. I was resisting, resisting, resisting. I finally went. And so we walk into this huge, probably 1,800 people in, in the early service. And I walk down the sloping hallway or the, or the sloping room, you know, it was like from the back to the front. All, all, all the ushers were, looked like Arnold Palmer wearing these like orange and green, you know, coats and like, oh, yes, come on down. So they walk me down to the second row. There's 1,500 people, and they're, they're lifting their hands, singing Jehovah Jireh. I didn't even know what a Jehovah Jireh was. What is that? They walk me down, Pastor. They walk me down to the second. So I'm sitting with my friend, and then me, and then this, this guy next to me, which I didn't pay much attention to. And so the pastor is this British guy. He says, if today's your day, you need to give your heart to Jesus. I want you to raise your hand. I'm like, hey, cool, man. Hey, no problem. I raise my hand. 
Put your hands down. Okay. Then he says, if you're really serious, I want you to walk down to the front. Give your life to Christ. I'm like, no stinking way. And just so happened, the man sitting next to me saw me raise my hand. And he said, he's like 6'4", six, 6'5", six, giant of a man. He goes, son, I saw you raise your hand. And I'll walk down there with you. I'm like, God, no. <laughs> totally resisting. No. So I step out of the second seat. Five steps. Boom. I'm there. I'm looking up at the stage. The pastor says, today is the first day of the rest of your life. You're giving your heart to Jesus. I'm like, dear God, no, no. Then they drag me off to this prayer room. Back then, they would take you away. They'd sweep you away to the prayer room. And I'm praying with some guys. Said, Are you giving your heart to Jesus today? I'm like, I don't know. Uh, he said, well, let me pray with you. So I asked Jesus in my heart and I finally connected in the parking lot with my friend who brought me. He's like, hey, did you get saved today? I go, I guess. I have no idea. No idea. See, change is a vital part of the kingdom of God. How many of you know God wants to change you? Not overnight, but every day there's a process. The question is, what does God want to do here in this city? What does he want to do in Stanley County? In Albemarle, North Carolina? And could it be that God desires to use this church as a component of that change. Maybe even a key component of that change. So here's the million dollar question. Are you willing to personally change? To make room in your life for people who may not look like you. People who don't act like you. People who don't even vote like you. How many of you believe God wants to do something in our city? I do. Peter, Jewish man. Jesus has died. The apostles get filled with the Spirit in the upper room and they're out preaching. And Peter finds himself on the coast at Simon the Tanner's house. He's staying there. The Bible says he's, he's on the roof praying. Uh, they, they used to have like these, almost like these um, areas on the rooftop where they'd have flowers and plants, and you could actually have a meal there if you wanted to. It was kind of like a, a loft. So he's up there praying, the Bible says, in Acts 10. All of a sudden, something strange happens. The Bible says a white sheet from heaven comes down while he's praying. And all <laughs> I laugh every time I think about this. All these unclean animals that he's never touched nor eaten are on the sheet. And it comes down in front of him. And the Holy Spirit says, Peter, get up. 
kill and eat. He's like, what? Lord, I'm a Jew. <laughs> we don't eat pig. <laughs> we don't eat this stuff. This is all unclean stuff. And the Bible says that that sheep went back up to heaven, came down, went back up, came down, went three times. And let me just tell you, if God shares something with you three times over, you better pay attention. Because he's trying to speak to you as he was trying to speak with Peter. You see, it wasn't about the unclean animal or animals. At the same time, there is a Roman centurion. His name is Cornelius. He's a Gentile. But he loves God, gives to the local temple, treats the poor very well, and he seeks after God, even though he doesn't really know him. And around that same time, an angel of the Lord appears to Cornelius, the centurion, who's over a hundred of the cavalry, and says, Cornelius, God has heard your prayers and seen your gifts to the poor. I'm going to send you a man. In fact, I want you to go get him. Send one of your servants, a few of your servants, to get a man named Simon Peter. He's staying at Simon Tanner's house in Joppa by the ocean. I want you to bring him here to Caesarea because he has a word for you. The man's like in shock. So he, he turns to his servants and says, go to Joppa. Go, find, go to Simon the Tanner's house. Find Simon Peter. And bring him here to Caesarea, and I'll get all my friends, and we'll fill the house up, and let this Simon Peter speak whatever he needs to speak to us. So what happens is the servants come, travel all the way to the coast. They knock on Simon the Tanner's house. Is there a man named Simon Peter here? Well, Simon's up on the rooftop, and he hears the knock on the door. And he had just seen the sheet go up and down, up and down, up and down three times. And he starts to put two and two together when he finds out these men at the door are not Jews. They're Gentiles. Do you realize that Peter and his Jewish friends had never walked into a Gentile home in their life? Never did they ever eat anything like pig, barbecue, it was forbidden. And yet the sheet comes up and down, and God says, the things that you used to call unclean, never call them unclean. I've made all things clean. Do you see what God's saying? We don't need to be afraid of worldly people. We don't need to run the other way. We need to embrace them and say, God's got a word for you. He wants to change your life. He wants you to embrace the change so you can follow hard after Christ. So what does Peter do? He, he shows up at the house, the centurion's house in Caesarea. And the first thing that the commander does, he falls on his knees and starts to worship. Peter appears like, no, 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 get up. You're, you're, you're a man just like me. I'm just a like Pastor Paul says, man, I'm just like you. I'm just a normal guy. So he pulls him up. What happened? 
Well, I had this vision. An angel shows up, tells me that you're in Joppa. I was supposed to bring you here. Now, here, here you are. Would you please? All my friends and family are here in this, obviously, a huge house. So the Jewish guys that had traveled with Peter, they come in, and Peter, the Bible says, even as Peter was preaching and saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who were listening to the message. The Jewish believers who came with Peter were amazed that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles too. That never had happened before. For they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Then Peter asked, can anyone object to them being baptized now that they have received the Holy Spirit just as we did? So they gave them orders to have them water baptized in the name of Jesus. Man, you talk about throwing a curveball at someone's head. Totally unexpected. And speaking of change, Peter's counterpart, Paul, is trying to get into Asia to bring the word of God. Trying to preach. And the Bible says when they come to the border of Mysia, which is near Asia or Russia today, the Holy Spirit says, stop. Stop, Paul. It's not time. I have another assignment for you. Turn back. He says, no. Then Paul says, well, what am I going to do? I thought this was the plan. But then he has a dream. And in the dream that night, after being turned away by Jesus himself, he sees a man from Macedonia crying out, Paul, please come. Please come help us in Macedonia. So he wakes up. He tells the brothers that are with him, hey, I got, had this dream last night. I think we're supposed to change. Change of plans. I think we're supposed to go to Macedonia. They agreed. They prayed. And they go. And God does amazing, amazing things through their ministry because they listened to the Holy Spirit. They embraced the change. Let me tell you something, that God may stop you dead in your tracks. He may tell you no. Why would he do that? Well, could it be he may want you to embrace something new that you've never seen that you've never done. I mean, think about Peter. He'd never stepped into a Gentile home. And he's in shock. He's in shock. Could this be what God wants to do in our lives? To wake us up to something new, something fresh, something dynamic. You know, let me say this to you, that you may be doing ministries here today at the gathering that you will not be doing two years from now. Because God causes things to die in order that new things can come and flourish. Have you ever been part of a church where they stopped doing something? Oh, people get all ticked off. How could we? We've been doing this for 36 years. Yes, and there's three people left in the group. It's time to let it die. So, for instance, I when I got after I got saved, 
By the way, I struggled for my first two years until I was 19 years old. And my dad tells me, he goes, hey, Jimmy, uh, you've been really struggling with your Christian walk. I'm like, yeah. He's like, um, you're not going to church that much, are you? I'm like, mm, not really. Um, he said, do you love Jesus? I go, yeah. He goes, can I pray with you to be filled with the Spirit? I said, no. It's 1130 at night in our kitchen. In the kitchen. I, he said, why? I said, but Dad, I love you, but I don't want to be a weirdo like you. You know, he's one of these charismatic, you know, you know, praise God. I was like, whoa. So he said, well, let me just pray for you. I'm like, reluctantly again. He lays a hand on me, and I almost fell out of my chair. I began to weep. I began to speak in a language I'd never heard before. Didn't know that you're supposed to speak in an unknown language when somebody prays for you when you're filled with the Holy Spirit. And I went to bed bawling my eyes out and falling in love with Jesus all over again. Reluctantly. I didn't embrace the change when they asked me to step to the front. I didn't want to do it when my dad said, can I, 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 I pushed it away. Let me tell you, if you take one step toward Jesus today, he will change your life. He will change your life radically. All you've got to do is crack open the door. Pastor Paul said you can't be fed when your mouth is closed. So I've been through changes. I, I used to lead uh, young people. I don't do that anymore. I had black hair back then. I used to lead worship for our church. I don't do that anymore. I used to pastor a church. I was at the same church in Raleigh for 26 years. But there was a day I was driving up the driveway, and the Holy Spirit said, this season is over. I'm closing the door because I have something new I want you to do. I'm like, Lord, but where's my paycheck coming from? How, am I, how are we going to survive? But I said yes to Jesus. I embraced the change, and I'm here to tell you that when we stepped away from the church, had no promise of a paycheck, we never missed a house payment. Never missed a bill. That's how Jesus will be faithful, not only to me, but to you, when you embrace the change and you walk in his way. Oh, my gosh. So, speaking of change, um, I was, because I work with church health, sometimes there are sick churches that need to be closed. And this church that had 80 to 100 people had shriveled down to seven people. And so my boss says, Jim, I'm sending you to Nowheresville, North Carolina, in the middle of the mountains. Not Boone, not Asheville, in Nowheresville, North Carolina. He said, take somebody with you. Nobody was available. So I took my son, Peter, my youngest kid. I'm like, guess what? We're going to have a, an adventure together. We're going to this church that we're going to close, and it ain't going to be pretty. He's like, I can't wait to watch that. <laughs> so we go to this little church. It's like in a shed. It's like a shed, and uh, we meet with the with the leaders of the church. It was all one family, 
and they're all bickering. And I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm representing North Carolina Assemblies, and, you know, the church was healthy at one time, and there's seven of you, and, and there was an argument that night, and two more people left the church. <laughs> so it went down to five. But the problem was that they were resisting fighting tooth and nail. It was already dead. They were, they were not embracing change at all. Embracing change is not easy. But let me tell you, it's necessary. Are there things you used to do that you no longer do? Yeah. Because you changed. And sometimes, church, listen to me, you have to lay, and this is hard for some. Sometimes you have to lay good things down to make room for new things. When the Israelites were traveling through the desert on their way to the promised land, there was a group of people who complained to Moses. We don't like this manna, Moses. We know that God rains it down six days a week. It's a miracle how two million people were fed for 40 years every day in the desert. Oh, Lord, we're tired of this. man. We're tired of manna burgers. We're tired of manna cotty. We're just tired. We miss the leeks and onions of Egypt. We, and this is what they said. We want to go back to Egypt. Because it's what we know. All the time forgetting that they were slaves in Egypt, that their backs were being whipped. They were forced to do manual labor under the whips of their masters. And their newborn sons were being tossed into the crocodile-infested Nile River. But they were so afraid of the future, they wanted to go backward. Brothers and sisters, let's not go backward Let's follow God. Amen. And the leader he has raised up in this house, Pastor Paul, and his leadership team. Let's follow. Psalm 32, 8 says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye upon you. Listen to this. Deuteronomy chapter 2. You've been wandering around this hill country too long it's time to turn there's a new place that God has for this family of believers you've been through change let me just smile and tell you more change is coming because the Holy Spirit is dynamic nothing ever stays the same things are always changing always moving always growing and if we embrace the work of the Holy Spirit it'll be amazing the miracles that we'll see in this house. Isaiah chapter 43, verse 19. God says, forget, forget the former things. Forget them. For I'm about to do something new. Will you not see it? Will you not perceive it? I'm going to make a pathway through the wilderness. In other words, I'm going to carve out some new paths for you to go. I believe that this church is is breaking into new paths where other churches will want to go, but they're afraid to go. And you're going to hack your way 
through the wilderness, and you're going to find God's promise. He's going to create streams in the, in the wasteland. Why? Because the Bible says, so my people can be refreshed. Just say that word with me, refreshed. It even sounds good. God always leads us into triumph in Christ Jesus. He has a good plan for you and me. We know that from Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans, plans, plans say it with me. Plans, there we go, to prosper you and not to harm you, but to give you a hope and a future. People say, oh, yeah, you know, I've heard that stuff before the promises of God blah 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 but listen to this Psalm 145 13 God is faithful to all his promises not some all and loving toward all he has made that's you and me brothers so let's embrace change brothers and sisters let's embrace it let it come it may not be comfortable it may even be a hard transition, but it's not to diminish you. It comes to re-energize you, to refill you, and bring you hope for the future. Together, let's embrace change. Would you stand with me? I just want to have a prayer with you. Before we transition in the service, Let's just take a moment, bow our heads. If you would, just bow your heads, close your eyes. The band's coming up. They're going to play behind me, but don't be distracted by that. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for every person that's here. All the chains that have already been broken and been crushed. And now, Lord, it's time for us to embrace the new, embrace what you desire to do in our hearts, in our lives, in our families, in our marriages, in our kids, even in our grandkids. So, Lord, I pray for those that may be far away from you today. Maybe those that, like me, had resisted surrendering their lives to you. And today, ma'am, sir, if you're here, young person, if you're here, let me just give you some good news. God loves you. And he has a wonderful, wonderful plan he wants to roll out in your life. But first, you've got to say yes to him. And today, if you're here in this place, in this room, and you want to say, Pastor Jim, I, I, I'm making a fresh start with God. I'm leaving the old behind, and I'm embracing the new. Would you just lift your hand and say, that's me. God bless you. Others, yes, ma'am. Yes, um, yes, sir. God bless you. Others, that you, you're, you're laying it. Yes, ma'am, I see that. You're laying those. Yes, sir, I see that. You're laying the old down and you're embracing Jesus, would you 
just pray this prayer. In fact, let's invite everyone, while our heads are bowed and our eyes closed, would we all pray this prayer for those that are responding to Jesus today? Just say this, Heavenly Father, today's my day. It's, it's the day I surrender. I give up my life. And Lord, I embrace yours and your plan, the new plan. I embrace it. Would you forgive me of my sins in every way I've offended you? And I receive you, Jesus, into my heart. Change me from the inside out. Save me and fill me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. Now, church, let's pray. Lord, for those that raise their hand today, may you seal that work today as they confess you, as they tell others that they have received Christ today. Let me just say that if you've never been water baptized, now is the time to be water baptized, to, to follow. That's your public confession of faith, that you're giving your heart, you're giving your life to Jesus Christ. One more prayer today. You heard this message about embracing change. There's been a lot of change in your life, and you know, in fact, I, I believe it was Pastor Paul who said, maybe there's some here today that you're afraid of what God may be calling you into. Let me tell you that whatever he calls you into, he's already given you everything that you will need to serve him. So today, if that's you, you say, that's me, I've got I've to embrace the change. Just raise your hand. Uh, my, my hand is up because I'm embracing change in my personal life, in my ministry. So, Father, for each person, women and men, young people with their hands held high. Lord, help us to embrace the change because we know you have great and glorious things ahead. And we love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.